morning. So we're in a series called Building Strong Families, and uh, our goal is to encourage every family to take that next step into what Jesus has for us. And this morning, uh, we have a family visiting from Columbus. Uh, they're the Fullers, and uh, they were here this weekend, all weekend. Yesterday, they trained 13 families representing 30 children uh, in how to train and discipline uh, your children, your family. And um, what was uh, amazing was, the, I think, the level of hunger that our families brought to that, uh, the discussion between husband and wife about uh, discipline. And we, we began with a lot of scriptures. And we've, we've said this before, but if we really love our children... We will discipline them, and the Bible tells us that when we discipline them, we save their lives. And the family gave an example yesterday, uh, but one of the things they train is to train their children to immediately obey every command, uh, and especially uh, they focused in on the command to stop or to come here. And uh, they told the story of uh, walking across the parking lot at church, and uh, somebody just barreled off the street into the parking lot and came running full steam ahead. And they, could, they were already ahead of their child. And they could see that the car and the child were heading for each other. And they said, stop. And the child just st- stopped in their tracks. And the car went screaming by. So we literally will save our kids' lives if we, if we discipline them and train them well. So... Um, What we're going to do this morning is we're going to uh, invite the Fullers to come up here, and they are going to take us through a family meal. Now, this isn't obviously a real meal, but we got some snacks here and some water, and they're going to uh, do this for us, uh, not because this is the only way, but because this is uh, their desire, this is what the Lord told them to give us today. So uh, that's what they're giving us, and... um, they haven't rehearsed this. Come on up, guys. They haven't rehearsed this. Uh, only Jason, the dad, knows what's about to happen, and the others are going to jump into this uh, together. So let's give a warm Marymount welcome to the Fullers. They have uh, seven children. This is uh, Jason over here on my left. This is Christelle over here. They have seven children. And um, as I said, they live in Columbus. Uh, Jason is an attorney, but you are not receiving attorney advice today. You are not receiving legal advice. Um, And they're going to uh, walk us through a family meal and um, the importance of the table, the importance of uh, how this brings the kingdom to earth in a very concrete way doing the things that Jesus did. So I'm going to turn it over to Jason. I'm going to pray for him and turn it over to him. Then uh, when they're done, we're going to have about 10 minutes of Q&A at the end. So I'll come around with microphones. You can ask uh, anybody in the family uh, a question, and they will, uh, they will answer as best they can for you. And um, use this time to put yourself in this situation. And not all of you are at this stage of life. Some of you are grandparents, uh, but you're going to have your families in your home, aren't you? 
Some of you are yet to be married, but one day you will have a table that you are responsible for. Some of you um, uh, are li- high school students. You're living at home still. Well, I want to encourage you guys to bring the Bible into your family meals. There's no rule against it. You can just start very simple. So I want to encourage everybody. They've been doing this thousands of times. So don't look at where they are right now, uh, but look at where you could be in one year, two years, three years, five years. Right? Make sense? All right. Let me pray for these guys. Lord, I thank you for the Fullers. I bless them. In the name of Jesus, I ask now that you put your spirit on each of them uh, in power and that we also, Lord, uh, would, would be filled with the spirit to receive everything you have for us now. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you. Can you hear everyone? Okay, great. So Dennis mentioned earlier that and I, I loved your neighborhood testimonies, your neighborhood love testimonies. That's fantastic. It really makes me feel... Uh, uh, a little shame that I haven't done more. So that's a good, uh, that's a good feeling. Um, he mentioned that he wanted to encourage us to in- invite other people here so that we can, inc- um, we can have other people in our neighborhoods experience what we experience every Sunday. And I mirror that. I, I, I applaud him for that. I also want to, and I'm sure he would agree with this, uh, I want to encourage us to... Uh, live what Jesus has for us every day. <clears throat> okay, it's not just a Sunday thing. It's not just a Wednesday thing or whenever you have your midweek meetings, right? We were saved by this gospel and we feast on it. We feast on him. Okay, and so this is just, this is how we continue to feast on him every day, right? Can we do the next, the first slide? <clears throat> okay, so this, Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Okay, this was actually after Jesus was raised from the dead. He came back from the dead and he met with his disciples. And what did he say? He said, come and have breakfast. Okay. How many times did uh, Jesus eat that we know of in scripture? A lot. Yeah, all the time, right? It was perhaps... One of his primary vehicles, I would say it is one of his primary vehicles that he engaged with his disciples, with uh, other people who were learning from him. You know, we have the, the five loaves and the two fishes. We, that happened twice, right? Uh, we have him sitting down, uh, reclining at table with, with various people talking about who knows what. We had the, uh, the woman come in with alabaster box of ointment and during a meal. Meals are happening all the time. Jesus finds the meal to be intimate and provocative and helpful. And so we have adopted that principle in our family, and we encourage you to as well. You all have to eat, and when you're feasting on temporal things, food that you're, uh, that's going to go through your body for a short time, why not feast on something eternal at the same time? Okay. So we do, uh, we do at least one meal a day. <clears throat> and again, this is not what you have to do. It's just, I'm just sharing what we do. We do at least one meal a day. Uh, usually we do about two together as a family. <clears throat> and that we always do the Bible first. Um, and then for the second meal, we do something else. Usually it's like a worldview or apologetics kind of book, or maybe it's a C.S. Lewis book or something. We're reading through 
if we do a third meal, we get to go to uh, How to Survive in the Woods, which, you know, just whatever, pick, pick something and have fun with it. And we're, we're hoping to survive in the woods for a couple of days as a family. I don't know how that's going to work. But anyway, that's the, it doesn't matter. I'm way off topic. Um, <laughs> Satan and the world, though, they bombard us every day. Turn on the TV, you look at a billboard, you go to school, you go to work, and you're getting attacked. Okay, Your minds are getting attacked, and your passions are being challenged, and your passions are being provoked. <clears throat> okay, We have to be aware of that, and we have to take steps to meet that Right? We are waging a spiritual battle, whether we know it or not. We are either helping the side of the kingdom, or we are doing damage or losing or doing nothing, none of which is okay. Okay, So what better way to engage that, uh, that bombardment from the world and from Satan than by preparing for it, talking about it, inoculating ourselves against it, and praying for and talking about and preparing how to push back. Okay. So we had a training yesterday. We, we talk about a lot of things during meals, not just, we do the Bible every day. Uh, but beyond that, we do whatever happens to come up. We planned this together as a family over the dinner table. Uh, we did a training yesterday about how to uh, raise an orderly family. And we planned that training as a family over dinner tables uh, next slide, please. We we came up with a family vision together over the dinner table. I guess this, I don't remember exactly, but I guess this took six to eight hours to do over the course of several dinners or something. Um, but we try to, if we have a family decision to make or if we have an action that we want to consider, we weigh it against this <clears throat> to see whether it's something that we should do as a family. Next slide, please. We also came up with family values. And one of those family values is uh, centralized meals. Why? Because they're just fun. <laughs> uh, once you get, I mean, they're not, I, I realize that they might be awkward at first, but you keep doing them and you start sharing your heart with each other and you start, you start listening to each other. You start hearing how everyone feels and what everyone thinks and you become close, right? A lot of families aren't close. That's not the model Jesus has for us. Uh, I realize these, this kind of thing, if, if you're to implement something like this, it might be awkward at first, and that's okay. Just keep plugging away. It'll become natural, um, and it'll become fun. This is, this is the highlight of our days, right? <clears throat> so we're not going to go through each value, but um, anyway, we came up with this on our own over a family meal. Do we have a next slide or not? Yeah, one more slide, please. <clears throat> Thank you. Okay. So let's go around. Just before we start, I want to go around the table and have everyone say whether they like family meals and if so, why. And we can have one mic on either side of the table and that way it'll be easier to pass. So why don't you... Are they on? I don't think they're on. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, so again, I am uh, I actually don't know any more about what we're going to say than the kids do. I, we all know that the next chapter we're reading is about the witch of Endor in First Samuel, right? So that's all we know. I know nothing more than the kids know. It was a little different last time because we did a philosophy discussion. Well, we reversed it. Um, <clears throat> but 
I actually don't know what's going to happen. Okay. <clears throat> okay, can we... Go ahead. Yeah, say your name and then just say whether you like this and, and why. My name is Ariel and I am nine and my favorite thing about meals is that we always get a topic and we think, how did we get on this topic? Then we go down 20 things. <laughs> then we say, oh yeah, that was our topic that we were on. Thank you. Put it on your chin. And I am 11. I like meals. I also like that we have, like, we're able to talk. If I have a question about what a word means, I can ask it. Or if I have any other questions, I can ask it and go, does it feel like a church I'm David. I love family meals. We say we have a topic, but it's only the topic for like a quarter of the time. The other three quarters, we talk about dreams, we talk about fun things of the day, we talk about what we're going down by, we talk about anything, and it's fun because we're a family. My name is Autumn, I'm 14, and I like meals because you can share what you're thinking about with your best friends every day, and I really like it because it's good time to talk about Keep it on that side. Just keep it with you guys. <clears throat> Do you like family meals, freedom? <laughs> <laughs> She's learning. <laughs> so they don't they might not seem a mile a minute. This is percolation and it's really it's really valuable. Like every day we come we come to our dinners and we get to just percolate in the word, with each other, in life. Things that might be difficult to grapple with, it's all, it's all valuable time. Yeah, it's nothing fancy. We're not going to do fireworks or anything for you. This is just real what happens, as much as we can in a contrived environment, of course. But, you know, it's, it's just, it's not fireworks, it's just fire. Okay? It's Holy Spirit. It's time with Jesus. Okay? Do you want to say something, Dean? (laughs) 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 Okay, Dean, we're going to read the Bible, okay? I want you to remember three words, because you're three. Okay, so how many words do you need to remember? Three. Good. Okay. All right, you guys. What did we talk about last time? <clears throat> camels. Cam- you saw the picture. Yes, camels. Okay, what else? Give the, give the mic, please. Yeah, just keep it with you. The attack on the Amalekites. The attack on the Amalekites. Yeah, okay. And how 400 men ran away on camels. Yeah, 400 men. Ra- 400 men. Good. Yeah, David took 400 men. How many did he have? He left 200 behind. Yeah, he left 200 behind because they just didn't want to go fight. They were too tired or scared or something. And with 400 men, he uh, beat 
Most of the Amalekites, 400 of them ran away on camels, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. You are cheating. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. The Witch of Endor. <clears throat> the Old Testament contains strict commands that witches and sorcerers should be destroyed. So they did not appreciate Harry Potter. <laughs> we are Harry Potter fans, so anyway, that's an internal thing. <laughs> God alone would give his people spiritual guidance, but when the aging Saul faced a great Philistine army, he went to a medium for help. A medium is a witch or a sorcerer. Okay. Okay. Uh, the medium herself was shocked when, in answer to Saul's call, the spirit of Samuel appeared. <clears throat> Samuel's message was harsh because Saul had not remained true to God. He and his warrior sons would fall in battle the next day. Yes, Dean. Can you give him a mic? Yes. What does, what does medium mean? Medium. A medium is like a witch or a wizard. So someone who practices magic. Yeah, most people nowadays don't think magic is real, but we have real examples of magic in the Bible. And Christelle's dad has gone through a real experience of uh, magic. Do you want to tell us about that? Do you, you guys remember that story? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, he was uh, getting some kids to be to come to Sunday school and whatever, and a few boys were sitting around playing with a Ouija board, and he. And the Ouija board was actually moving, showing them letters. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, and he said. A Ouija board is like a board where you have everyone puts their hands on a triangle, and then the evil spirits or something are supposed to guide you to letters and it gives you a message. Yes, Dean. Can you give him a mic, please? What does... Ouija? What does Ouija mean? That's what I'm talking to you about. So that's the... It's like a game board, like a board game, but it's not good. So it's a game board where you have a triangle on wheels and people touch the triangle... And it's supposed to spell, the, the evil spirits are supposed to spell out a word. And so he said, I, in, in the name of Jesus, it, that will not work. And he quoted a Bible verse and it quit working. So They had been getting messages and I guess once he had commanded the evil spirits to stop, and it, freaked it out couldn't work kids. anymore. Yeah, Did they come to Sunday school? <laughs> All right. Okay, very good. So, was that all the questions? You saw the picture? Okay. We are reading <clears throat> The Woman of Endor from 1 Samuel 28. Okay? All right. The mediums, wizards, witches, fortune tellers, and other such persons had been banned from Israel about the time when Samuel died. That was a time of great sorrow in Israel. The people deeply mourned for Samuel as he was buried at Ramah, his hometown. <clears throat> there came a time, however, when Saul felt he needed the very people he had banned. It was when the Philistines came to war against Saul and kept David from joining them. The Philistine army set up camp at Shunem. Saul and his army set up their camp at Gilboa. But when Saul saw, when Saul saw the camp of the Philistines and the size of the army that had come against him, he was terrified. Saul asked the Lord what he should do, but the Lord refused to answer him, either by dreams, prophets, or 
Urim. Why do you think the Lord would not answer Saul? Saul had disobeyed. Can you get a mic, please? Autumn, why don't you come over here? So. Saul had disobeyed him. Okay. Saul had disobeyed him. What, what else? His spirit had left Saul. Okay. Yep. What else? That's what I was going to say. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He didn't just disobey him. He disobeyed him repeatedly. Right? It became a habit. Right? So why, if you had a relationship with a friend and they uh, disrespected you, not just once, but all the time, and they didn't trust you, not just once, but all the time, how are you going to feel about that? Anyone, yeah, you can be anyone. Just keep it here. I wouldn't like it. Why? Because you can't trust that person anymore if he keeps disobeying you. Sure. A little betrayed. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, God's people have always been on mission and at battle. And you don't want to go into battle with someone you can't trust. Okay. So, you know, Jesus says, you know, if you love me, keep my commands. Right? Do we love Jesus? Yes. Yeah, we do. So should we do what he says? Yes. Yeah. Why? Because he wants us to, so he can trust us. Yeah. If we really believe we're at war for the king, he needs warriors he can count on. It's not that we're keeping his commands because we feel scared of him or we feel like we have to. It's because, doggone it, we're going to war. Right? Let's prepare for this. Let's train. We can't have a bunch of unathletic, clumsy people doing battle. Right? Yes. How well do you think your soccer team would do if you guys just ate bonbons all day instead of ran and practiced and shot goals and stuff together? Yeah. Not well. Yeah. Okay. Horribly. Horribly. <laughs> even better. Even better, whatever. That word is even better. Oh, even better. Her word, okay. Her word horribly was better. Okay. <clears throat> Where were we? At last, Saul told some of his men to find a woman who could call back spirits from the dead so that he could consult with her. There's such a woman at Endor, Saul was told. Saul put on a disguise so the woman would not recognize him, changed his clothes, and went by night to see her. He was... Wasn't he the tallest guy in Israel? <laughs> right. Oh my, he's tall. I wonder if he's Saul. Yeah, right? Tall Saul. Tall Saul. He was committed, though. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't just like, yeah, I'll see what she says. He was like, I'm going to do this. Right? Do you think that sometimes people commit to sin? Yes. Yeah, it's working. Do you have examples? Sometimes sin happens like that, right? But usually, especially if it's big sin, it doesn't happen just like that. Usually it happens gradually. You start searing your conscience, becoming used to the idea, then you start preparing for it. Like if someone's going to cheat on their spouse, that doesn't happen usually just like that. 
usually they don't treat their marriage well. <clears throat> they don't love into their spouse. They start thinking, eh, the grass could be greener when really it's poisoned or something, right? And they start building their life, gearing their life toward the worst decision they've made in recent memory. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's what Saul's doing. He's building, he's gearing up for sin. In the scripture, you'll see that God views going to other idols, or in this case to a witch, would, would he likens it to cheating on your spouse? So if you can sense what betrayal you'd have between people, this is how God feels. Yeah. Yeah, how would you feel if I left mommy? That'd be really sad. Yeah. Extremely sad would be probably excruciating pain. Yeah. It would feel like you lied to us, you know, for Why? our whole lives. Why? You say you love her a lot and you obviously do and or it seems like you obviously do and it would feel quite betraying I'm sure to her and also to a lesser extent us mm -hmm. yeah. betrayed yeah how do you think God's feeling right now he's watching this whole thing happen Saul is not just going to go see what she says not just send a messenger to see what she says he's disguising himself he's changing his clothes and he's going by night. He's serious about this. What do you think God thinks? Really disappointed. Yeah. So Betrayed. Disappointed. Right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Probably regretting the fact that he made Saul king. You know that King Saul executes people for doing such things, the woman protested. Why should I do this for you and get myself killed? That's the, woman, that's the witch asking this dressed-up man. So he's actually doing, I didn't realize this, he's doing something that <clears throat> he said not to do. Okay. But Saul swore solemnly by her, to her by the Lord, As surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. Which person do you want returned from the dead? The woman asked. Samuel, Saul answered. But when Samuel appeared, the woman screamed, Why have you deceived me? She demanded. You are Saul. Please do not be afraid, Saul told the woman. What do you see? A godlike form rising from the earth, she answered. What does he look like? Saul asked. Like an old man wrapped in a robe. So we don't get young bodies when we're in heaven. <laughs> I was kind of hoping that we would have like, you know, Hercules bodies, but okay. Uh, Saul knew now that this was indeed Samuel, and he bowed down with his face to the ground. Why have you disturbed me this way, Samuel demanded. I'm in trouble, said Saul. The Philistine army is here, ready for war. God will not answer me by prophets or dreams. I must know what to do, so I called for you. <clears throat> Why ask me if the Lord has, has turned against you, returned Samuel. The Lord has already taken your kingdom from you and has given it to David, just as he said he would do. This has happened because you would not obey the Lord's commands when he wanted to destroy the Amalekites. Tomorrow you and your sons will be killed. 
and will be here with me in death, and the army of Israel will be conquered by the Philistines. Was it David who just killed the Amalekites the previous chapter? Yeah. Huh. I had never made the connection. Yeah. Saul fell to the floor, for he was terrified by the things Samuel told him. He was very weak, for he had not eaten all that day and night. The woman saw how terrified Saul was and how weak he had become. I risked my life to obey your orders, she said. Now you must listen to me. Let me get you something to eat so that you may be strong enough to travel home. Saul at first refused to eat, but his companions joined the woman in urging him until he got up from the floor and sat on a couch. The woman quickly butchered a calf. (laughs) She quickly butchered a calf (coughs) that she had been fattening. She also kneaded dough, which she made with flour and baked some unleavened cakes. How long did it take you guys to butcher a chicken? An hour a piece. An hour a chicken? No, like half an hour. Half an hour? How long would it take to butcher a calf? Quickly butcher a calf. This lady must have been a sorceress. Practice makes perfect. Well, yeah, we don't know what we're doing. What? In the middle of the night, they didn't have light. I mean, that's kind of... That would be challenging right there. Yeah. yeah. Unless they were urging Saul for, like, hours. That could be. Yeah, we don't know how long that conversation took. Wow. Yeah. Was it daylight? They had breakfast with calf? Maybe. I don't know. The woman quickly butchered a calf that she had been fattening. She also kneaded dough, which she made with flour and baked some unleavened cakes. Then she served this food to Saul and his companions. They had people there with him. I didn't know that. Okay. Who was with him? Him. Him. The green-looking guy. What? It said the companions also urged him. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't catch that. When they had eaten, they left the same night. The same night. And uh, to walk back to their camp. <clears throat> okay, but it would take a while to cook a calf, too. Unless they did, like, steak or something. Yeah. Maybe they all helped. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, popular tradition holds that the tomb pictured above is the burial place of the prophet Samuel. Okay. You see it? Yeah. Whoa. Well, you guys can see already. Yeah, okay. On one of the highest hills in northern Judah. Go ahead. What is that purple thing? This? Yeah. I imagine that's moonlight. Oh. Yeah. On one of the highest hills in northern Judah is the Nebi Samuel. Do you guys remember what that means? The hill of Samuel. Yeah, the Nebi Samuel. The traditional burial place of Samuel. Nebi Samuel, translated as Prophet Samuel is about five miles north of Jerusalem. Today, a Muslim mosque has replaced a Christian church that once stood there. Anyone climbing the high tower will see for miles over the surrounding countryside crusaders in the Middle Ages called Nebi Samuel Mount Joy because they caught their first glimpse of Jerusalem from the top of the hill. <clears throat> yeah. When the Philistines began to gather at Afek in the plain of Sharon, or Sharon, probably. The Israelites rallied at Mount Gilboa. Saul purposely kept his men in the mountainous area, giving them an advantage over the Philistine chariots and heavily armored men. From this campsite, he stole away to visit the witch of Endor. And you can see the map of his travel there. So, okay, so 
Uh, we've played civilizations, right? So what kinds of things do you need to beat chariots or uh, horsemen? Infantry. Infantry, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, long spears or something. Well, he wasn't using long spears. He was using height, right? Mm-hmm. It's harder for chariots to go uphill and navigate the rocks and other terrain on the hill. So, And the forest. <clears throat> and the so forest. Chariots around trees, there's not a lot of advantage there. They like the plains and the flat areas. Right. Good. Like that. Yeah. Yeah, like this. The ancient city of Endor was very close to Mount Tabor, or Tabor. At the left, the mount rises behind a modern kibbutz named after Endor. Above is an air view of the Galilean hills in the area of Endor. What's a kibbutz? I don't recall. We have this thing called Google, or we have audience members, maybe. Okay. Because my dad was going to possibly be a dentist in one at one point when I was I don't know maybe a kibbutzist. When I was like twelve or something, and we all thought that'd be fascinating. Like for a year, he just thought it'd be fun. Neat. So, oh, you were twelve. You I, didn't I, go. No. That would be cool. Know. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna make fun of him next time for that. <laughs> in the, <laughs> I'm kidding. In the, well, I might, I might. Yes, did you have something? No. no. Okay. In the dead of night, Saul took a few trusted friends and left camp to find the witch at Endor. It would be a strange and disturbing visit. <clears throat> That's Saul. That's Samuel. That's probably Saul. That might be Samuel there. I don't know. Okay, so what is the Bible Comes Alive about? What do you think? Witches. Witches, okay. It's okay, Dean. Witches of Endor. Yes. I'm kidding. Oh, Dean, you or need to... Chariots. Or chariots. You need to say three words. What do we read? It's okay. We can wait. You know one thing that we said? You said two things. Do you remember what you said? No? All right. We won't do a training session live, but this is probably a training time. Okay, so the... uh, Just because I know he knows some stuff and he's just not saying it, but... It's going to be the the same picture. You think? It off, they often repeat pictures, so he might be right. Okay, the Bible Comes Alive is about witches and ventriloquism. I was right. Ventriloquism. What? It was the same picture. You were right. Okay. Magic and divination predicting the future were widely practiced in the ancient Near East. The Sumerians looked for signs in the stars and planets while the Babylonians read meaning in the flight of, the, of a bird or in the birth of twins. <clears throat> what? Oh, why don't you stop playing with that? I think that's what she's saying. Okay. Uh, the Egyptians saw visions in a bowl of water and warded off demons with magical charms. 
All of these ancient peoples shared a deep belief in the existence of ghosts and devils who affected the course of their daily lives. Both kings and commoners turned to magicians for protection from these supernatural powers and for the prediction of future events. Ventriloquism was a useful skill practiced by many of these ancient diviners. They knew how to throw their voices. Oh, okay, I see where this is going. Okay. So that the sound seemed to be coming from the spirits who were trapped beneath the earth. You guys remember that ventriloquist singer we saw in America's Got Talent clip or whatever? Mm-hmm. That was insane. So something like that. Oh, wait. So she was actually the one saying everything? Well, I don't know. Uh, we don't know. The Bible suggests that's not the case. But this Bible Comes Alive portion is talking to us about what was a common practice back then. Oh, my. Yeah, yeah. You you pretend to be a witch, but you're not actually a witch. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, I would prefer that over actual witchcraft. Well, sure. Yeah. Is it much different? We have people from the world pretending to be experts and not really being experts, and pretending to have the truth and not really having it. Right? They don't throw their voices; they just throw the facts and throw the logic. Okay, Uh, when the spirit voices had delivered their message, quote-unquote, the diviner offered to interpret it. Egyptian priests in the temple of Horus, the falcon god, that's his middle name, falcon, Dean Falcon. The falcon god used a similar technique. Worshippers who brought offerings before the image of the god were allowed to ask it a question. A hidden priest gave the idol's answer using ventriloquism to make his voice come from the mouth of the images. Image. Yeah. Did they make the, did they make the mouth move? <laughs> I don't know. That'd be quite the trick, wouldn't it? Yes. But the law of Moses forbade the Israelites to engage in these forms of divination. Anyone caught practicing witchcraft was immediately condemned to death by stoning. But not even the death penalty succeeded in wiping out every trace of witchcraft. Magic and divination remained alive, practiced by many Israelites in secret. Even after Saul had rid the country of witches, his servants knew where to find a woman at Endor with the power to call up the spirits of the dead. Oh, what does wiping mean? Wiping? Wiping. So you know when you spill stuff and you wipe it up? That's what they mean. So wiping the country of witches would be getting rid of the witches and cleaning the country. Yeah? Maybe she knew that it was Saul because Samuel actually appeared and talked to him. Yeah, that's my suspicion, that Samuel told her this is Saul. Because how else would she have known? Right? Except for he was pretty tall. Yeah. Okay, so the death penalty for witchcraft. What do you guys think? Does that sound like a fair penalty? Yeah? Okay, why do you think yeah? Because God says not to do it. Okay. And it's being like Satan. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty dangerous stuff. Okay. They're drawing their powers from Satan and people who sin, the Bible says, are supposed to die. So I think if people are drawing power from Satan, they also deserve to die. Okay. Doesn't seem a bit extreme, though, the death penalty for witchcraft? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But 
they still are going against God. Okay. So how do we know what's right and wrong and what's worthy of death penalty and what's not? <clears throat> Satan basically is getting the death penalty for leaving God. Well, he's, he's going to be imprisoned forever, right? He's not going to die, but yeah. Well, after the imprisonment, he will get thrown into the lake of fire. That's true. But, so, I think it's kind of, it makes sense because these sorcerers are drawing their powers from Satan, and really anyone on Satan's side is terribly against God. Yeah, yeah, good. Okay, good. Okay, so we the death penalty is given for when you desecrate the image of God, right? When you murder, the death penalty is okay, right? It's supposed. It's what we're supposed to do, right? Okay. Because we're desecrating the image of God, okay? What does desecrate mean? Like... Like that. Let's desecrate. Ripping up. <clears throat> Destroying. Making making a very bad... Uh, I don't know exactly how to describe it without our dictionary on the shelf right next... We carry a dictionary right next to us, but it's a really, really bad ruining of something. Got it. Yeah. See? How dare you. <laughs> so if you are practicing witchcraft, you are... Um, I'm not sure I quite understand how to reconcile it with the gravity of desecrating the image of God by murder, but you are so far beyond um, God's side that he must feel that it's very, very serious. I mean, you're basically committing your yourself and your allegiance to, to Satan. Yeah. Okay. It's 12.10, so this is time for Q&A. So why don't we, uh, you can ask anyone you want to, any question you want to, and we'll try our best to answer them. Do you want me to run this? No, you just keep it on your side. Mike here. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, guys. So we're going to open the floor for questions. So just put your hand up. I'll bring a mic to you. What's the book you're reading from? This is the Book of Life. It was published in 1980, so I doubt they even make it anymore. They might have revised versions, but there are so many Bible supplement things. We usually just read straight up the Bible with no commentary, but we found this, uh, and we thought we'd try it, and we, we've loved it. We're on volume 10 of 27, I think, so it's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah, just find something. Find something you guys can get into and you're passionate about. How do you go about uh, taking what you're reading to them and then, or I guess, I guess the kids that would be interested to hear this. Um, how do you take what you're hearing um, at the table and translate that into the things that you're experiencing on a daily basis? So, like, how does that translate into real life as, like, an action point for, for each of you? That's a great question. Do you guys have, do you guys understand what he's saying and do you have answers? How do you use what you learn and change it into everyday life? Yep. Is this working? Yep. So I'll start, just, you guys keep thinking about that, but 
uh, we'll, we'll ask questions. Uh, sometimes we'll pretend that we are addressing a friend of ours, a nameless friend, you know, just like uh, we used to have like a bear and say, okay, pretend this is like Mr. You know, Jimmy or whatever. What would you say to Jimmy if he said something that we are challenged with in the world? Uh, what would you do when confronted? We, we role play uh, when those kinds of issues come up, either in the text or because of some sort of tangential topic that we get into. But if you guys have specific examples, that'd be great. Yeah, sometimes when we read something, mom is like, or or really anyone, but often it's mom. <laughs> she just says, you know, we we have that part in our life, but we don't really do it the way it's saying right here. I wonder if we could change that. Yeah. We talk about that for anywhere from two to like, 30 minutes. Yeah. It's convicting sometimes. We, we often realize what we're not doing and what we should be doing and what we're doing wrong. It's, it's great and difficult, too. Just recently, we were reading about Jonathan, and he, his armor bearer, went out and fought the Philistines by themselves with God, and it just made me and most everyone else realize how much faith does. Other questions? <clears throat> yeah. What, what did this look like when your family was younger? Like, did you start it when you were uh, like bottom of three, or how did that work when you were younger? Yeah, that's a great question. How did this look when uh, our family was younger, say when Autumn was three? Uh, we, when they were young, when our oldest children were young, uh, say two or three, we still did this, and we began to train them to obey us at the table. And we began to train them to do what we asked them at the table. Usually it was just, you know, lean over your bowl uh, and don't throw food. And when you do, you know, when, when they would break that rule, then we would discipline. And that way it facilitates the ability to, to have an orderly discussion. And discussions are not orderly. We've got people getting up for food, going to the bathroom. We just don't let them get up and leave and play. They have to come back in short order. Uh, but... With respect to the conversation, it was me and Christelle, me and my wife, just talking about whatever. The, we just had Bible reading between the two of us. And we were getting ourselves ready uh, for life. And we didn't know it at the time, but we were getting ourselves ready for this kind of thing too. And so we were exploring Scripture together at our meals uh, before we even had kids. Yeah. what discipline would look like at the table if one of your kids <laughs> did something you, you say you discipline them yeah. I mean, is that more than just saying don't do that anymore could you describe that well can we go back a slide that was all day yesterday um, and so if you're interested in that topic and what we do just get in contact us, get in contact with us at this website um, we that was our fourth seminar on that topic that we have spent anywhere from one to two days uh, talking about and it, it's been, we've got a lot of great feedback. If you're interested in learning more or supporting what we're doing, I'd love to uh, connect with you through pantherfam.com. Uh, but it, it, I don't think I can answer that in a couple minutes. Yeah. But it's, it's it, you, you get used to it. Um, and you, yeah, it would just take too long. I'd, I'd love to, let's, let's, we can talk offline. Yeah. Yeah, please. 
How are you navigating uh, continuing regular family meals and increased um, kids' activity schedules as they get older with soccer and other things? Yeah, so how do you, how do you deal with conflicting schedules? Um, so if you go back one more slide, please. Uh, we have our family values, and one of them is family unity and uh, service to others uh, and centralized meals. So we value those things more than uh, conflicting activities. So we try not to conflict the activities. And we, we still have conflicting activities, and we just uh, work our meals around them. Uh, like David's on a traveling soccer team, which is you know not always the most easy to navigate, but we've, we've encouraged us to make choices that prioritize family unity and family meals so that we don't have those conflicts as often as many families do. We just don't think it's as important. To, it's, not, it's more important for us to maintain our family unity than it is for us to play a game that we're not going to play when we're 25. because we homeschool too. So we'll make sure that we have a family meal at lunch if we know that there's going to be no alternative. Right. I mean, not that there's never no alternative, but, you know, if it's some, something we've made commitments to or a couple people have done a couple different things. Anything else? Over here. There's a... Children play video games. Uh, no, right. we we have video games. We allow video games on occasion, one day a week on our Shabbat. Uh, and do we have a limit on that? We used to have a, like a half hour limit, two hour limit. Okay, but no. And even even then, they don't even play it every week. It's probably once a month or something. A year. Once a year. Sure. Yeah. Most of our games are board games or you know. Dialogue games or stuff like that. Yeah. All right. I think that's. Uh, we got to wrap it Great. up. Any any closing comments? No, thank you. I appreciate your letting us share a little bit of our lives with you, and and may you uh, do greater things than we do for the kingdom. Amen. So uh, the last thing in the world uh, I and the leaders of this congregation would ever want is to get. Somebody in between you and Jesus, any of us. Um, and I just want to affirm right now, I know most of you really well. And I really feel the Spirit saying, uh, you know the Bible. You know Jesus. You are authorized, equipped, uh, encouraged to... Uh, like I said last week, you know, celebrate communion at home. Um, do this kind of thing. Bring the Word of God into the daily things. Uh, read it. Talk about what it means. Encourage each other in that. I, I can tell you that the average person sitting in this room right now knows ten times more about the Bible than the Nigerian workers who are leading hundreds to Christ right now. 
All they have is the Gospel of Luke. That's all they've got. That's all they have heard so far. And they are working with that and moving with that. So I just want to commission you guys as you are, the, the Bible says we are all royal priests. Anybody who's in Christ is a royal priest. Anybody who's here who has not received Christ, come and see any of us after this service is over and begin to walk with Christ. Because as you come to him for your forgiveness, come to him for your salvation, he will forgive. He will begin walking with you. He will show you his word. He will give you the Holy Spirit. He will bring you into the fullness of Christ because that's what God wants. So I just want to encourage everybody, you know, you see something like this and you might think, I can never do this. This was an ordinary dad 10 years ago. Just an ordinary, he's done it now thousands of times. Christelle grew up with some of this in her home as a child. But we are responsible for our generations. And I want to tell you guys, you can do it. You can do it. And I just want to encourage you in that. So Father, let's stand. Father, we thank you for uh, the Fuller family and sending them to us. We bless them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And God, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for the heart uh, that this congregation has for Christ. And I just ask now that you just fill us afresh with your spirit. Touch our body, soul, and spirits, Lord, as we leave here today. That we are equipped now to go into the battle. And Lord, uh, we put on the armor in the name of Jesus. And we ask God that you walk with us and fill us today. And we pray these things confidently in the name of Jesus. That God will do what his word has said do by the power of his spirit. And the people agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Have a great week.